What is happening, everyone, as we get ready to close out the 2022 year and 2023 is upon us for the final time this year. It is Will Brewer and Colby Daniels, Split Decision, the podcast version. Will Brewer, it is good to see your face, good to hear your voice. How are you, my friend? Man, what a year it's been. It's flown by in a breeze. I mean, I feel like we were just talking about Francis Ngannou and UFC 270 and that whole debacle of a car that that was. And now all of a sudden, uh, 12 months later, man, we're we're here at the end, man. It, it's crazy. It's been a crazy year in MMA. I mean, just from start to finish, there's always there was always something every month that just kept us on our toes. But, I mean, what a year. And, yeah, I mean, besides the year, I mean, you closed it out the year in, in grand fashion. I mean, you were on vacation. I was kind of afraid that we wouldn't bring, be able to bring you back. <laughs> I mean, it was it, it got to the point where I was like, OK, um, I might have to, like, figure out how to do this on my own because yeah. uh, Kobe, Kobe Daniels is, is going to be all the way out there for life. That view was too good. I mean, just it looked like you were in paradise. I was in paradise. Uh, took a vacation to Grand Cayman. It was paradise, 100%. It was a perfect 80 degrees the entirety of the trip, day or night. Didn't matter when you looked at the temperature, it was 80 degrees. It could be 3 a.m., it could be 2 p.m. 80 degrees consistently for seven days. And I did have an opportunity a couple times on the trip to look at the weather back here. And at one point I noticed it said it was minus two degrees outside with negative 20 wind chill and 40 mile an hour winds. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm never going back. I'll, I'll sleep on the beach for the rest of my life if I have to. I mean, I, I don't need, I don't necessarily need shelter, right? Like, it'll be all right. I'm, I'm not going back to that nonsense. Luckily, the day we got back, it was still really cold, but it, had, it, it was significantly better, I think, than what you guys experienced uh, when I was gone. We got back on Christmas Eve. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was nice to get away. It was great to recharge the batteries. Hadn't, hadn't really had an opportunity to like take a vacation in, in several years. So to just have a little bit of extended time away, recharge the batteries. And the other part is, for the first time in about two months, Will, I actually feel healthy. Like I had had the crud for it felt like an eternity. And then I got the fluvid, right? A month after I had already had like the all the sinus drainage and cough and everything. And I got flu and the COVID simultaneously. And then even after I was done with that, I still had the remnants of whatever the aftermath was. And finally, I guess getting away into some warm weather, like I'm finally healthy and I feel good. So uh, the batteries are recharged. I feel good. I'm excited to talk about 2022 and excited for a new year. And I'm already kind of having the, the withdrawals from fight cards right now. Uh, Yeah. I mean, first of all, that negative two, like, where where do they do that at? <laughs> negative twenty windshield, like, how how does this? I mean, I know Oklahoma weather is unpredictable, but like, where in the hell did that come from? It just came out of nowhere. Like, there was you know weather reports that oh it's supposed to get cold, you know it's supposed to be really cold uh, on Thursday and Friday. I had no idea that it was supposed to be that cold, and the fact that you were the the, the fact that you were in paradise while we were suffering i feel like it made it just that much colder for some reason you know <laughs> every time i would see one of those pictures of yours that you would post yeah. it just felt colder and i'm like ah man kobe's in paradise and we're just out, we're just out here suffering but man it, it's good that you're feeling better i mean i remember you would text me like man this is the worst day of my life when you were <laughs> dealing with oh, the flu vid i mean it was i know it was awful man so i'm glad that yeah. you're healthy i'm glad that we're able to do this uh this podcast for 20 to reminisce on 2022 and the incredible year in MMA that it was, man. So I'm ready to get into it, brother. 
can I just say about 2022, like, I feel like this sport is just getting better and better and better and better, right? Like, every division, it feels like, just seems like it keeps getting deeper, and we we, we are getting just more and more talent uh, injected into the UFC. Like, we, we've now done, what, three of these year-end award shows, and, like, this is by far the hardest one. To pick, like, to give, like, one knockout of the year, or one fight of the year, or one fighter of the year award. One card, like, this is by far the hardest one, and it just, like, I thought that last year as well. It just feels like this sport just continues to get better and better and better. Yeah, and just when you look at, like, the the dominant champions that we've seen fall this year, I mean, you wouldn't have expected it, but every time that these champions would go into fights, you kind of were thinking, like, this is a tough fight, you know? I mean, I know this guy is dominant, this girl is dominant, but... This is probably their hardest challenge or the person that matches up very, very well with them. We saw that with it, like every single month, it seemed like in every single title fight. Um, yeah, this sport continues to grow. It's continuing to get better. And it, it's not under the realm of possibility that these dominant champions will lose. Yeah. And we saw that multiple times this year. Uh, it made for an incredible year. It made for this for this for these awards to be just awfully hard. I kind of felt like last year. While there were a lot of options, there was kind of just one that kind of stood out above the rest of them. This year, they're all like on level playing fields. Like we may have completely different views on what the top one is, and that's just that's fine because like it could be any of them. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. I mean, you know, here in a couple of weeks, we're gonna do we're gonna as we start every year on the podcast, we're gonna do our. Uh, review of the previous year where we pick the champions at the at, who's going to be the champion at the end of the year so we'll revisit that in a couple weeks and then we make our prediction for who's going to be the champion at the end of the next year and while I did not pick Kamaru Usman to be the welterweight champion at the end of 2022 I thought it was going to be Hamza Chemaev the fact that Chemaev didn't get a shot and Kamaru Usman is not the title holder is mind-blowing to me the fact that if you had told me this time a year ago that Israel Adesanya was going to lose to anybody in the middleweight division, right? We've seen him lose at 205, but it was going to lose to anybody in the middleweight division. I would have said you are high, right? Like, what are you talking? There's zero chance that's going to happen. Um, you know, Charles Oliveira just looked like he was an unstoppable force at 155 with the way that he beat Chandler and Poirier and Gaethje. Uh, he's no longer champion. Max Holloway was the GOAT, right, of, of the featherweight division. And Alexander Volkanovsky in 2022 arguably had the most impressive featherweight performance of all time against Max in the trilogy fight, right? Like, so many different things have happened. Aljo's redemption story. I mean, it's it, this sport has been absolutely bananas. I can't even remember, Will, the last time that somebody defended a light heavyweight title. When was the last time there was a light heavyweight title defense? Or I guess, I guess Jan defended it against uh, Izzy, right? But it wasn't like a, Izzy wasn't a 205-er, but... You know, I mean, that that was the last one. I mean, yeah. after that, it just was hot potato, hot potato. Yeah. Who's just who's going to get it tonight? Yeah, it, just a an absolutely wild year uh, with sensational fights, sensational highlights, sensational narratives all year long. And here we are to wrap things up. All right. Where do you want to start? Do you want to go? So we're going to do something new this year. We're going to give our awards, but we're also going to do our year in top 10 ranking of the all the men and all the women in the UFC. Do you want to go rankings first, or do you want to go awards first? Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, we can start with the awards, man. I, I think okay. we can go start with the awards and go to the rankings. Let's do that. All right, let's start with the awards, and we're gonna begin with the fighters of the year. We're gonna go male and female champion of the year, and then male and female fighter 
of the year. So, Will Brewer, I will let you begin your UFC Men's Champion of the Year. Okay, before I answer this, when we do the 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 fighter of the year, does does that include the champions as well? No, is that no, like that all? That is non champions. That does not. Yeah. Okay, non champions. Okay, gotcha. Because it's okay, just it's hard. Male... Like a champion is always going to get the benefit of the doubt over a non champion, right? So it's like I feel like you almost have to have separate categories for champs. Of course. And, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Just like the fight of the so, year, like a, a title fight is always going to get the benefit of the doubt over a non title fight, and like fight of the year, right? So it's kind of have to. I feel like you at least have to separate them. Right, right. Okay, so you said male champion of the year. Male first. champion of the year. All right, so um, you know you could go many different places. I mean, the biased in me would easily pick Aljamain Sterling because of you know what he accomplished, and I don't even think that would be a bad pick. You know, he defended the title twice against pretty elite competition. Obviously, you know you had. TJ's injury, but you know that's you know that's a different story. But you know Aljo could easily be that be that person. Um, in terms of just when I think of champions and I associate that word with with dominance, um, I, I think there's no other way that you can go than Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, what he did this year to the Korean Zombie. I mean, there was there were talks, you know, that this could be an interesting fight. You knew that Volk was more skilled, but you didn't think that the gap was that big. I mean, the on the night he just looked like. He was light years ahead of the Korean zombie, and zombies has been a, a featherweight staple for for years. I mean, a guy who's who's always been on the cusp of a title shot. He finally gets it. It would have been a great story if he was able to to finally win the belt. But Volkanovski just looked so much better than him in every aspect. Uh, asking him like, "Are you sure that you want to continue doing this after pummeling him for 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 three rounds, eventually getting the finish, and then of course what he did to Max Holloway. I mean." Nobody ever does that to Max Holloway. I mean, even Dustin Poirier in a weight class above, while the, while Poirier got off to a great start, Max was able to uh, kind of close the gap towards the end, made it very interesting. Volkanovski shut Max Holloway down five rounds to zero. There were no close rounds. When you do that to a guy as as skilled as as Max Holloway, a guy with the legacy of a Max Holloway, this this what this isn't even a Max Holloway where you're like, oh, he's a step slower. It seemed like he's um, seems like he's, you know, on the back end or anything like that. Like we had just saw Max Holloway beat Calvin Cater in one of the best performances of all time. We saw him beat uh, uh, Yaya Rodriguez in one of the great, great fights of 2021 that I think that would have been. That's right. So so, you know, he's coming off of those two performances and Volkanovski just shut him down. So, yeah, for me, just the, the dominance of Volkanovski and how he just like completely separated himself from the rest of the division and is, and is now going up to fight for lightweight title. That separation is so, so thick that this division has to try to catch up. So yeah, my pick is definitely Volkanovski. This was really difficult. And I felt, I kind of felt like there were five names that if you had mentioned, like I wouldn't even argue with, uh, you mentioned Aljo. Like if you, if Aljo is your champion of the year, I, I think that is a well-deserved honor for Aljo, especially just given everything that's taken place from the time that he took the illegal knee to where he is now. Um, I, I think if you went Islam, not, we both thought that this was a future champion a couple years ago, right? But I think it was just how good he looked in that Charles Oliveira fight that that is just mind-blowing. Like, we, we both thought there was a very good chance he wins that fight, but he was completely dominant in the fight. Uh, I think that would be warranted. Alex Pereira, right? I mean, he's he's beaten Israel Adesanya in kickboxing a couple times, but the guy is very green in terms of MMA, and he's now your middleweight champion uh, in a fight that he was losing, similar to Leon Edwards, 
who was fighting a guy that he had he had also fought before, but he had lost to before, and he's losing and gets a a fifth round KO to finish it. But I think you're absolutely right in terms of just championship pedigree. What we saw from Alexander Volkanovsky twice in 2022 with the Korean Zombie win and with one of the most spectacular performances in a title fight we've ever seen, uh, the win over Max Holloway, where he was completely dominant. And look, going into that fight, I, I, I would have said Max Holloway is the the GOAT of the featherweight division. That that was my perspective. And for him to completely dominate that fight the way that he did, I think speaks volumes. Uh, it's it's I, I wanted to go Leon Edwards here, um, but I, I think ultimately Alexander Volkanovsky is the most deserving of the champion, male champion of the year title, at least for me. All right, female champion of the year. This one was a little bit more difficult for me. Yeah, so, you know, of course, the biased in me would have easily picked Amanda Nunes. I mean, she uh, was able to bounce back and and win the championship from uh, from Juliana Pena. She wrote that wrong, and she's still the featherweight champion, so she's still a double champion. But for me, when it came to this one, it kind of had that LeBron James type NBA MVP type feel. Like you could always give it to Amanda, but you can't. You know, there, when there's someone over here who's just having such a such a great year from start to finish, um, you know, as great as LeBron is, you're gonna give it to Kevin Durant if he's averaging 33 points a game and you know doing all that stuff. So, I actually wanted to go with uh, Zhang Wei Li because like I feel like what she did, she knocks out. Yoani on Jacek. Who knocks out Yoani on Jacek? I mean, of course, Rose Namajunas did it, but in just the way that she beat up Julia or uh, Yoana, beat her up for a, for a, for a round, and then knocked her out in the next round. I mean, and then put Yoana into retirement. Basically, I mean, Zhang Weili definitely just took a, a a step up in terms of her skill. Like, she's a freak athlete. I mean, she literally picked up Francis Ngannou, who's almost three hundred pounds, and made it look really easy. She's 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 a freak. Um, and then she, I mean, of course, Carla Esparza, she's a two-time champion. We knew that she was going to be at major disadvantages against Zhang Weili, but, you know, Zhang Weili to go out there and just to, you know, exceed everyone, ex- everyone's expectations to submit Carla Esparza, you know, everyone thought that she was probably going to knock her out, but to be the one to take her to the ground and to submit her, I think that Zhang Weili has just gotten so much better overall. And, you know, it seems like, you know, she could be champion for a little bit here in this division, uh, you know, she's lost to Rose twice. You know, I would love to see how that fight goes. Amanda Lemos would make for a great, great fight. But in terms of the female champion of the year, I mean, it's it's definitely Zhang Weili for me. I mean, just all around, she just knocked it out the park this year. So as I said, this one was really tough for me, and it was a two-horse race between Amanda and the incredible dominant performance where she just literally beat up Juliana Pena for five rounds, right, to get her belt back. The redemption story that's attached to that and Zhang Weili, and I think ultimately where I landed was the fact that Zhang Weili had to go through Joanna again, right, and get that, to even get the opportunity to fight Carla, and getting that incredible knockout uh, in the sequel of one of the greatest fights we've ever seen, men or women, uh, and then to capitalize on that with the Carla Sparza win, just the fact that we had the two performances from Zhang Weili in 2022, I think slightly gave her an edge over Juliana Pena for me. So um, we are two for two, my friend. Uh, I'm going Zhang Weili as well for my female champion of the year. All right, male fighter of the year. And this is this goes to somebody that did not have any title opportunities in 2022. 
Okay, so zero title opportunities for 2022. I mean, this one, when you really think about, you know, all of the all of the fighters and everything, it kind of gets it kind of gets interesting. You know, all of the divisions and all of the runs that people have been on. I kind of narrowed it down to uh, to two people, but um, I think that who I want to settle on, um, and this may be a surprising pick, it might not be, but male fighter of the year for me is going to be Jamal Hill. I think that what he, what all that he accomplished this year, knocking out Johnny Walker, uh, uh, finishing Tiago Santos, putting himself in position to be um, a contender for the light heavyweight title. Um, I think that Jamal Hill definitely has a chance to become champion. I thought it's come a little quicker than, you know, I would have liked, but I think, you know, he definitely took a step this year. Um, but I want to mention who my second, (laughs) my second place person was, and that was, uh, Chito Vera. I think that what he did this year was incredible. Um, I think that, you know, after he, after he lost to Aldo, I kind of wrote him off a little bit, but what he did to, to rebound off of that knocking out Dominic Cruz, you know, having that phenomenal fight against uh, Rob Font. Uh, he put himself right back into championship contention. And I never, you know, I wasn't sure about Cheeto in terms of becoming a, uh, in terms of being a champion. But after those performances this year, I'm definitely thinking that Cheeto Vera can 1000% be a, be a future uh, UFC champion. So Jamal Hill's my pick, but Cheeto Vera was right on his heels. I, I love both of those, and and both of those were on a long list of of options I had for this. Um, I, you're right about Cheeto. I, I think I always felt like he was really, really good, but I don't know that I ever had like title contender necessarily in my mind. Uh, and he he kind of punctuated that. And by the way, can we just fast forward to February 18th for the Cheeto Vera Corey Sanhagen fight that is going to be a, an absolute blockbuster? That is going to be a ton of fun. I think Jamal that the Jamal Hill pick for you is is terrific. I, I think that is absolutely deserving. He looks like he is on the doorstep of a of of a a potential um, championship reign, and uh, you know he had to obviously earn that opportunity with a, an incredible twenty twenty two. He was on the short list for me as well. I'm gonna go with a guy that I, I thought had two just spectacular finishes in twenty twenty two, and a guy that I think does have championship caliber ability and it wouldn't surprise me at all if maybe um, he is one fight away from putting himself as a a contender in his own division Uh, we just saw him fight recently I'm gonna go Ilya Teporia he had that incredible fight in London against uh, Jai Herbert in which uh, he had the the insane knockout in the second round and then I thought the Teporia Bryce Mitchell fight was was one of the best matchups of the entire year Uh, it was my favorite matchup on that fight card uh, that you were at in in Las Vegas in December um, Ilya Teporia is nasty and dangerous and he's good on the ground. He's good on the feet. He has tremendous defense. I think this guy has championship caliber ability and, uh, it's going to be Ilya Teporia for me. Is that a surprise? Yeah. Uh, I mean a little bit, but I definitely am with you because like, you know, Teporia was undefeated. We all knew he was good, but I think with that performance against Bryce Mitchell, Watching him live, I was there, like you said, watching him live, seeing how fast he was. I did not realize how fast Taporia was. I mean, I know Bryce Mitchell claimed that he was that he had the flu and whatnot, but there was there's nothing that you can do to make up for that speed advantage that Elliot Taporia had. The way that he stuffed all those takedowns, I mean, 
And then the, the, the striking on top of that, Ilya Tempuria is really, really good. And I'm, I would not be surprised to see him fight for a title uh, in 2023. Like you said, he's probably one fight away. You know, we were talking before that fight that whoever wins this is going to be in that, that contender spot, that last little contender spot that they have. I would love to see our Arnold Allen, Ilya Tempuria fight. Or, uh, you know, he called out Brian Ortega. Um, I would love to see that fight. But Tempuria deserves one of those top, top names next. Um, he's got all of the makings to be a future champion for sure. Yeah. All right. Female fighter of the year. Again, a fighter that did not have a title opportunity in 2022. Man, like I, like I said, um, about the first one, I narrowed it down to, to two fighters and I'm still kind of on the fence about which one I want to pick. But, um, I think just because of, uh, of her two finishes, no, because they both have finishes. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with just because I didn't expect two finishes from this person. Um, I'm going to go with Amanda Limosh for her finishes on Michelle Watterson and Marina Rodriguez. Put herself right. Took Marina Rodriguez's spot. Might get a title shot in 2023. Um, a fight with, between her and Zhang Wei Li would be outstanding. Um you could tell the UFC that, you know, they saw something special with Amanda Limo. She, you know, she lost against Jessica Andrade in a, in a crazy, you know, submission. But then she rebounds that and then is able to, to uh, finish Michelle Watterson. Who, you know, Michelle Watterson is a decision queen. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, Amanda Limo was able to finish her. Marina Rodriguez had, was, you know, it, she should have got a title shot. I mean, for all that Marina Rodriguez had accomplished, she should have got a title shot. But um, I definitely think that um, Amanda Limos knocking her out like that. I mean, taking the shine from her. I'm going with Amanda Limos. Um, but, you know, I just want to give some love to my second choice, which would have been Aaron Blanchfield because she was outstanding this year. But Amanda Limos for me. Um, so I had a, a three horse race between Amanda Limos, Aaron Blanchfield and Alexa Grasso. I'm going Aaron Blanchfield. Um I, I totally get the Limosh pick. I think the fact that Limosh did lose in 2022 uh, before coming back with those two incredible wins um, plays a little bit of a role here. Aaron Blanchfield right now looks bulletproof, right? And look, she's going she's gonna to get a big step up in competition coming up, and we'll find out how good she is. But they haven't thrown anything at her to this point that has made her look human, right? Like, she is just a buzzsaw through everything they've they've thrown in front of her, including... Molly McCann, who, I mean, when when you are in New York City, she's local, and Molly McCann is the massive fan favorite. For her to do what she did in Madison Square Garden to Molly McCann, that was, that was probably the most dominant female performance of 2022 in my mind. Erin Blanchfield is a, a machine. I'm excited to see her uh, 2023 and, and just how high she might elevate within that division, but Erin Blanchfield is going to be my female fighter of the year. All right, here we go. This is where I think things get to be a lot of fun. We're going to do the championship fight of the year followed by the male non-championship fight of the year and the female non-championship fight of the year. So for the championship fights, male and female are all grouped into one, and then the non-championship fights are male and female. So what do you got for championship fight of the year? Well, um, this one was pretty, was one that was kind of you know easy for me. Um I thought that all the championship fights were pretty solid this year. Uh, but, of course, the way that Yuri Glover just was back and forth, um, 
for the entirety of the fight, back and forth <laughs> until the very, very end. You think that uh, Yuri's going to finish him, then you think Glover's going to finish him, then you think Yuri's going to finish him, you think Glover's going to finish him. Glover's back in rounds, and you think that, okay, this fight's going to go to a decision, and Glover's going to end up winning the, you know, retaining the title. But with, I think, less than a minute left, I mean, um, Yuri locks in that submission, and Glover just literally has nothing left. I mean, it was it was a war. I mean, it was everything that you want to see from a championship fight. Two fighters having to dig down deep and just, you know, find that something that's inside of them to 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 reach the end. And uh, Yuri was able to do that um, in that fight. I would have loved to see the rematch. I'm I'm so sad that we didn't get to see that, and we had to we had to live through the Blakovich and uh, and Ankalaya fight. On you know, I mean, not that 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 fight was bad, but I mean, in comparison to what we were supposed to see. Right. But yeah, I mean, Yuri Glover was an outstanding fight. Um, definitely my championship fight of the year. Yeah, th- th- I think Yuri Glover is maybe on the Mount Rushmore of of like the greatest fights I've ever seen. And I, I watched it again right before 282. And like even knowing how it went, it was still like on the edge of my seat and I was exhausted from watching it. Like the crazy swings and the amount of opportunities both guys had seemingly to finish the fight. How many times did Glover have Yuri mounted? And if, if we had gone into that fight saying at any point Glover's going to have him mounted, we're going to say fight over. I mean, how many times did Yuri hit Glover on the feet with, with a shot that it looked like Glover was maybe one more shot away from, from being finished? I mean, it was that fight was absolutely bananas and as good as it possibly gets to the point that you have the striker ultimately getting the submission finish 30 seconds away from the, the, the reigning title holder retaining his belt because of the fight, the fifth round dominance he had displayed up to that point. Like that fight is all time great to me and nothing I I was going to, I think overtake that fight. Um, I, you know, I think because of the finishes for, for Leon Edwards and, and Alex Pereira, you probably like give them a little love in terms of of uh, like honorable mention. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know that either one of those was a great fight. They were they were both great finishes and great comebacks, I guess. Um, but in the great fight category, um, you know, like the Leon fight, for example, I mean, the the broadcast team was literally like talking about how the fight was over. And Leon was done when when uh, when the, when the finish occurred. The only other championship fight that I feel like gave me the same sort of like thrill from start to finish that that uh, Tashera Prohaska did was Oliver Gaethje, which was about as chaotic and wild as you can possibly get for as long as it lasted. That one also had swings the whole way, right? Like both guys are getting planted, and uh, and that was a a pretty great one. That that would probably be my runner up, but. I, this one was so easy. I, it, by far, to me, the fight of the year, Yuri Prohaska and Glover Teixeira. All right, male fight of the year. Not a championship fight. Male fight of the year. So there was, there's a lot of good options for, for this. But I think the best fight that I saw this year, and, you know, I'm 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 still debating on if I think that this fight was better than Yuri Glover. It's it's but I think it's right in that conversation for sure. But I go to Paris, France to Surogan and Tai Tuavasa. That fight was amazing to me. The I mean, I love a good technical striking fight, but on top of that, the the way that these guys were knocking each other's heads off. I mean, for Tai to go out there and drop Surogan, for Surogan to be to basically throw the kitchen sink at Tai and not drop him. I mean the the way that Cyril gone through that head kick, I mean, we've seen people like Kamaru Usman fell victim to a head kick. Um, the way that he threw that, it landed flush. 
And Tai Tuavasa played possum, acted like he was rocked. Cyril Gan comes comes up to him, and Tai Tuavasa just throws a haymaker. I'm like, oh my goodness! I mean, I was on the edge of my I seat, it was over jumping up point. and down. Yeah. yeah, jumping up and down. Um, I mean, that fight was incredible. I mean, I didn't expect that fight to be like that. I didn't expect Cyril Gan to go out there and get into a brawl, but that fight was everything that that you wanted and more in a heavyweight fight. You don't see heavyweights slug it out that technically. That you know, Cyril Gan is so fast. Tie for a big guy is so fast. I mean. That fight had so many twists and turns, and then for Cyril Gunn to go out there and get the finish, um, that was the best fight, um, male non-title fight that I saw uh, this year, Cyril Gunn and Tai Tuovasa. That was one for the books for sure. So I, 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 two weeks ago, I sat down and I, I started like making a note of like just off the top of my head, the fights that I thought were in contention for this. And literally within 10 seconds, Will, I had written down Wonderboy Kevin Holland, Poirier Chandler, O'Malley Yawn, Gone tied to Ivasa, Landwehr Onama, Arosa Peterson, and Shemaya Burns. In like 10 set, like without even thinking about it, those fights were all like right there. Uh, and I, th- I think all of those were just incredible fights and, and some of them for different reasons. Um, you know, Wonderboy Holland had such great exchanges uh, throughout it. Poirier Chandler, like, you know, the second round was, was kind of slow and it was just really Michael Chandler... Um, controlling Poirier on the ground, and that that probably takes that one out of the running. I think in terms of just the complete unknown of what Hamzat Shemaev was going to do against somebody of the caliber of Gilbert Burns, and to see those guys slug it out for the entirety of that fight, and, you know, Shemaev at that point was was looked at as completely bulletproof. Um, you know, Gilbert, I think, was was being questioned coming off of, of his loss to Usman. Um, I'm going to go Shemaev Burns as my non-title fight of the year, but... Good lord, man! That was that was probably the toughest pick on this entire thing. Was was uh, the fight of the year because there were so many great ones that that deserve attention. And and look, there were other ones that when I when I actually thought about it more, and and did a little bit of, of research that I was like, oh yeah, completely forgot about that one. That was deserving as well. But a ton of great fights in 2022. Chamaya Burns for me as the non championship fight of the year. All right, female fight of the year, non championship. Oh man, um, you know I, I I wish that there were more that there were more options on the table for the females because you know uh, there's a lot of them that are you know decisions you know like yeah. a lot of the main fighters that you'll see um, they'll run into it'll it'll be a decision Caitlin Chukagan and uh, Manon Fioro decision Grasso. Arujo, you know, decision. You know, I wish that there were more scraps that were like, you know, back and forth. You know, who's gonna who's gonna come out here and who's gonna win it? Um, you know, I think I, I just want to say I think the best female fight that I saw this year was uh, Nunez and, and Pena, and that was a one sided, you know, win for Amanda <laughs> Nunez in terms of the the judges' scorecards, but all five of those rounds, Juliana Pena brought it. To Amanda, I mean, Amanda did not leave that fight unscathed for sure. But my pick, I settled on uh, on Amanda Lemos and uh, Marina Rodriguez. I felt like it was very tightly contested. It was it was something you had to. She had to bring out, you know, Amanda Lemos had to bring out some technical striking to her, and uh, it was kind of a fight that you didn't expect out of her. You expected her to to kind of be crazy and kind of chase the finish 
But I think in her doing that, it, it, it allowed for her to make Marina Rodriguez lead the dance and then eventually get the uh, counter her and win. So my picks are to go with Lemos and uh, Marina Rodriguez. Very nice. I, I almost went Zhang Wei Li, Yuena Yunjechek, um, too, just because that was so much fun, right? For as long as it lasted, it was fun. Uh, the, the finish was fun. Uh, it also, you know, she calls it quits at the end. It, it, it like, you know, the significance of that fight, it's the end for Yunjechek. It's the title opportunity for Wei Li. Um, that one was almost my pick. And then I completely forgot about, and I'm going to butcher these names, so my apologies. Yasmin Yaregi and Isman Lucindo. I don't know if you remember this fight. Absolutely. It was a war. It was back and forth, and they both brought it for the entirety of the fight. That was, to me, the most thrilling, fun, just back and forth. Uh, you felt like both had an opportunity throughout to win the fight. It was just the best fight that I saw uh, from the females in all of 2022. I know they're not big names. Uh, you know, they're not on the, the main card of a, a pay-per-view or anything like that. Neither have a number next to their name. But, man, that, that fight was was terrific and I thought it was as good as it gets so that's going to get my vote despite you know maybe me wanting to go with the the name value in in Zhang Wei Li and Yuan Yun Jacek yeah and I think that was the UFC debut for both of them and I think one of them was was only like 19 20 years old to go out there and put on a performance like that there's definitely big things ahead for both of those women and I think um you know the the name those names are so tough but the one from uh from Mexico uh, had another fight, and that uh, just recently, I think it was against. Um, I'm gonna forget who it was against, but she got dropped twice uh, in Nunes. the first round. Yeah. And then, Estella Nunes, that's right. She got dropped twice in the first round, comes back in the second round, and finishes the fight. Yep. So she was in two incredible fights. So, uh, you know, hats off to her, man. She's definitely um, on the short list for people to watch next year. Yeah, that fight was uh, was just absolutely awesome. All right, our next category is Fight Card of the Year. Fight Card of the Year. Um, there was a lot of good ones. Um, this was this one was one of the ones that was really, really tough for me. Um, and I still kind of don't even know where exactly <laughs> I want to go. I mean, because... You know, it's it's kind of a three horse race between um, the London card in March, and I think you know the fights were outstanding, but the crowd, the, uh, the way so that great. you know, the atmosphere was just was just amazing. So that atmosphere kind of, in a way, trumps all of everything that happened uh, in the fight card itself. You got two eighty one in New York, where the whole main card was finishes, and we saw some incredible finishes all night. Uh, on 281 but also uh, UFC Orlando just at the beginning of December headlined by Wonder Boy and Kevin Holland that fight card was was amazing um, I think you ha- I want to say every fight on the yeah every fight on the main card uh, was was a finish also uh, man you know I'm gonna go okay so here's my dilemma Gunnar Nelson and uh, I think it's like Takoshi Sato or whatever. That fight was eh. But, you know, the rest of them were like yeah. were pretty solid. You know, you had Meatball, Molly's knockout, Patty's knockout. Tom Mastinall closes the show. Like, it was just a complete. Taporia. Um, Arnold Allen. Yeah, Taporia finished at the, at the beginning. Arnold Allen. So, 
all those finishes, but and and then combine that with the atmosphere. But then 281 was such a big card, and I want to say I'm not going to say it's rare that uh, that those hyped up fight cards live up to the hype. But the fact that this one just exceeded all expectations, and then you got finishes, you got new champions, um, you got a fight of the fight of the year contender and Poirier and Chandler, um, you got Frankie Edgar's retirement fight. You know, it was just a, it was just an outstanding night of fights. Dominic Reyes comes back and gets absolutely flatlined. I mean, there was just a lot to love on that card. Um, I guess I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a slight lean towards uh, towards London. Just because of the crowd, but I mean, two eighty one's right there. Yeah. Like it's it's not even one and two. It's like one A and one B for me. Yeah. So I, I I only was like I had three cards that I thought clearly stood out to me, um, and then within those three, I thought it was pretty easy to separate one at least behind the other two. Uh, so two eighty would be my third place finisher. It, I thought two eighty was a really good card. Um, you know, we obviously had the Islam Mahashev over Charles Oliveira main event, but a, a really fun card. Um, and then it came down to 281 in London. And to your point, like London maybe didn't have the, the, uh, it, it had big names, but not like 281, but it had great finishes, great finishes, great fights. And the atmosphere was as good as anything that you will find in all of sports. Like that atmosphere in London. What was that in April? Will that atmosphere in London was as good a sports atmosphere as I've ever seen in sports, like it was, it was phenomenal. I was so incredibly jealous of every human being that was breathing the air inside the O2, right? Like that's how good it was. Uh, 281, I think just in terms of the fight card from start to finish, like you said, all the finishes on the main card, Poirier Chandler gives us a fight of the year, the shocking finish to the main event, in which Alex Pineda beats the, I mean, completely unstoppable Israel Adesanya in the middleweight division. 281 is going to get my pick for fight of the year. But I'll be damned if I'm not going to give London its due for that fight card. That I, I, was it. Aspinall as the main event. Um, yeah. Aspinall Volkov, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That 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 fight card was so great to the point that like seeing a UFC card at the O2 in London is on my bucket list now. Like I always thought it'd be cool, but yeah, like I mean, that made it on the bucket list. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds to me like there's not a there's not a clear separator. Like I said. London's 1A and 281's 1B. Yeah. I feel like it's just reverse for you. Like right. 281 is 1A and then London's yeah. 1B. Like that's how close that like there's so much to love on both of those cards. And that but yeah, that atmosphere, it just made you uh just appreciate the sport and just like w- when you see how I mean like when you're in the, the United States and you know we get, we see these Vegas cards and you know the crowd, like I was in Vegas and you know the the atmosphere was just like eh, you know like yeah. You know, you saw some good knockouts and everything, and, you know, the crowd got hyped up for those. But literally, every single minute of every single fight, this place is going bananas. <laughs> I mean, for, for every fight. And it, it just made it just made me really appreciate uh, being a fan of the sport. And, yeah, I would love to go to the O2 or uh, anywhere in London. Like, I would yeah. love to be in the, in, in, the, uh, in the arena for Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman if that's the fight that oh, takes place there. So like, great. I know that that... That's going to be if we thought that a, a fight night after a few years away was crazy. Just wait till we see what's going to happen in 2023 uh, with Leon Edwards as the headliner in the O2. It's going to be bananas. I can't wait for that. We need to work on a sponsorship to uh, send us over there to cover that thing. If you're listening, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, that would be, that'd be <laughs> incredible. All right. Knockout of the year, Will Brewer. 
I mean, that's really all you got to say. Knockout of the year. <laughs> do we even need like, to mention ooh. who it is, or or it, like, do you think that this is competition? Oh yeah, this is there is definitely competition. I mean, there's no competition, <sighs> no competition. But go ahead. I, oh, I, I, will, I will hear what you have oh, to say. No. Come on, there is absolutely competition. Zero I mean, competition here. Okay, just there. Three that come that come to mind off the top of my head. I mean, Cheeto Vera and Dominic Cruz. What Cheeto that head kick was just picture perfect. Uh, I mean, for a guy that's as hard to hit as Dominic Cruz, for Cheeto to find him like that and to knock him knock him out like that was insane. Um, but I think it, for me, it comes down to Michael Chandler's front kick and Leon Edwards. Uh, you know, the head kick heard around the world. I think. I think this is what it really is. I mean, I know that there's probably no competition, but you know, Kamaru Usman's my guy, man. Like, you know, I, I, there's like a little bit of saltiness in me from that damn head kick because Kamaru Usman was handily winning that fight. Leon was, Leon was not even looking at his coaches in the eyes. His coaches just cussing him out, like, "You're giving it up, Leon. Come on, come on, what the fuck, come on!" Like, they're just, they're just. Im- <laughs> Pouring with this, just begging him, and like Leon. That was not a really good impression, by the way. You nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> Leon is not even looking at them. So, going into the fifth round, I'm like, yeah, this guy is finished. And then two minutes remain in the fight. Kamaru's got him up against the fence, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is probably how this fight's going to end. You know, another good title defense for Kamaru Usman. I'm thinking about what's next. Herb Dean's punk ass separates him. You know, not letting them work. He lets John Jones, Khabib, all these people. They've been in that same position for way longer, but he's but he separates them. And then well, he separated Leon, them because he let Kamar Usman grab the fence about eight times. I mean, you know, just saying, oh, okay. just saying, yeah, that, just saying. Okay, no, no, no. That's that's actually true. <laughs> I actually forgot about that. Kamaru was grabbing the fence yeah. a lot. I, I will, I will, I'll give you that. But, um, so with under a minute left, you know, the 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 broadcast is basically writing his obituary, as DC said. You know, they're talking about how Leon just was is, isn't going for it. Um, I think it was just a combination of, of a mistake by Kamaru, kind of, you know, relaxing a little bit and then just expert, expert technique from Leon. I mean, this was not luck, but this was a Hail Mary for sure. And it just he and he knocked it out the park. I remember seeing that kick land and seeing Kamaru go down. And I'm just thinking, like, he's going to get back up. But then, like, his eyes was like, <laughs> I saw his eyes. And I'm like, oh, shit, this fight's over. It was just it was just incredible. Shadow Realm. So, yeah, I mean, to see uh, a great, like, Kamaru Usman, who I've gained so much respect for um, over his title run and uh, the fights he's been in, to see him go out like that, I mean, it was just crazy to see. Like, I was so happy for Leon, but I was just gutted for Kamaru. And I'm still a little salty about it, but, I mean... Yeah, my pick's obviously going to be with Leon, but I was trying to okay. come up with a way something else, but uh, I couldn't do it. Listen, Chandler Tony Ferguson was awesome, and in any other year, that might be the knockout of the year. It just so happens to fall in the calendar year that is 2022 that also gave us the greatest knockout in UFC history, Leon Edwards over Kamaro Usman. So I'm sorry, Michael Chandler. Maybe in 2021, maybe in 2020, maybe in 2019, you get knockout of the year. You just happen to get your knockout in the same year that the greatest knockout in the history of the sport took place. And there's no discussion for me. Leon Edwards over Kamaru Usman is not only the knockout of 2022, but like I said now, and like I said back after this happened, it's the greatest knockout in UFC history. 
Leon Edwards, KO of the year, by a mile. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> by the way, so I, I was on vacation for the final UFC card of, of 2022. Uh, wasn't able to really pick it up. I, 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 I was able to, to watch the main event. Anyway, since I've gotten back, I've started watching the card. And last night, I watched the uh, Alex Caceres-Julian Arosa fight. Ooh. That knockout from Alex Caceres yeah. is at least honorable mention knockout of the year worthy. Holy yeah. shit, Will, that was unbelievably impressive. Like, I was like, oh, like that was that was one of those like, oh, shit, like the the Rogan and Cormier memes where they're going crazy. You know, like that's what I did <laughs> watching that last night. I was like, oh, my God, because I, I have been able somehow to avoid knowing the outcomes of the entire card. So I've been watching it through the last couple days without knowing what happened. So I had no idea that was coming. And I saw it last night. I was like, unbelievable. What a what a setup. It was I mean, incredible. No, nobody, I, I haven't seen anyone, even with as skilled of kickboxers that we have in the UFC, Israel Adesanya, Alex Perheda, you know, Wonderboy Thompson might throw something like that, but like we haven't really been able to see Wonderboy at his best. Uh, who else do we have? Uh, like Cyril Gaon. Like the way he threw that was just so, was just so nasty. I mean, the same side, like, it was a jab into a head kick. Like, there's no way Julian Russell was going to see that coming. Yeah. It was it was just a phenomenal technique. Like, out of all of the – like, there's not a – there's probably not a cleaner knockout that that you that we have seen this year. Like, Leon Edwards' knockout was spectacular. But that one just – that one was nasty. I mean, that was very, very yeah. skillful from Alex Caceres. I kind of wish that it happened on the first fight card of January instead of the last one of December because – then it would have been like in the knockout of the year conversation for the entire 12 months that it probably deserves. Cause Holy shit, man, that was, that was incredible. But I was like, I've got to, I've got to at least bring it up on the podcast tomorrow. Uh, the minute I saw it, but like I said, Leon Edwards, I mean, the, the timing of it, the, the circumstance, the opponent, um, the fact that it was clean, right? Like this wasn't like, it wasn't a glancing blow that caught him. Like he didn't have to jump on top and, and land a few shots to get to like it landed and it was over. It was like it landed yeah. and it was done, and it greatest knockout in UFC history for me. I still like I I, I went back and I watched that uh, maybe last week. Yeah, and I, I I still can't believe like seeing Kamaru fold like that. Like he he hadn't like Gilbert dropped him, I guess, but like to see him fold like that, it was just a great champion. Like it, it kind of reminded me of Anderson Silva getting knocked out. I, I just couldn't believe Anderson Silva fell. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe yeah. I couldn't believe Kamara Kamara Usman got knocked down, and then just to see his eyes, it was it was crazy, yeah. man. What a knockout! Unbelievable, unbelievable. All right, submission of the year, twenty twenty two. What you got for me? Now, okay, I really want to give this submission love because it's not my it's not going to end up being my pick. And I'm going against what I really want to do. So, like, Jessica Andrade over Amanda Lemos is what I really want to pick as my submission of the year because I've never seen a standing arm triangle choke before. And the fact that she wrapped her up and then you could see the panic on Amanda Lemos's face immediately. Like, she did not know what to do. She didn't know where to go. She was just panicked. And I was like, does she actually have this locked in? And you could see her just uh, up against the fence, and you could see her placing her leg in just the right place to get just just enough torque on it, and then to see uh, Lemos tap, 
it was crazy. So that's what I want to pick. But then, you know, you have to put in the championship circumstances and everything. And, you know, Yuri Prohaska's um, submission of Glover, the fact that he was able to submit Glover, you know, after all that was crazy. But I think my submission of the year um, is going to go with uh, Islam Makhachev over Charles Oliveira. I think that um, I just I didn't expect Islam to be able to actually go out there and, and submit him and make it look as easy as as he did. So, you know, Charles was so dominant and he's so good on the ground. You know, nobody, you know, is is ever able to you know do the things that Islam did to him on the ground. And then to finish it with the submission over the guy who got the most submissions in UFC history. Um, you know, that was just a big deal for me. So uh, I'm going with Islam Makhachev. Very nice. I, I did consider Poirier Chandler because that was such a great fight and Poirier got the finish late. Uh, but this was a two horse race for me, really. It was Islam over Charles. Again, like you said, because it's a submission over the guy that is the all-time UFC leader in submissions. And then the other one was Yuri and Glover, right? Because it was the Hail Mary at the end of a title fight where the striker gets the submission over the submission specialist. Um, so I'm going to go Yuri over Glover uh, as opposed to Islam, Charles. But I think both of them are, are 100% award-worthy uh, in 2022. I just, if you had told me that Islam submits Charles, I wouldn't have said that you're crazy. If you told me that Yuri submits Glover to Shara, I would have been like, you're on drugs and uh, share. <laughs> you, need, you need to go get drug tested for sure. No, you just need to share because I want to I <laughs> take whatever that is. Like, that's what I would have thought. Like, you're in another dimension, my friend. Let's let's explore. <laughs> Pass that some. Pass me some of that, bro. <laughs> All right. 2022 performance of the year. So, I kind of, man, huh. There, there's two that really stand out for me. Um, I think Amanda's performance um, over uh, Juliana was outstanding. I think that uh, Zhang Wei Li over Joanna uh, was outstanding. Um, Francis Ngannou's last three rounds against uh, Gan, uh I think that's honorable mention. Um, you know, you can if you're if you're a, if you're a striker fan and you really enjoy the sport of you know just the the art of striking like me you can put izzy uh and over you know robert whitaker um jamal hill over johnny walker but the two that i'm settled on is aaron blanchfield over meatball molly because that was just dominance of another level that you know you don't that you don't really see i mean i expected aaron blanchfield to win that fight and i actually expected her to make it look easy yeah, me, me too. What she did, but what she did was was special. I mean, that was that was different. That was I can't even explain what that was. That was just phenomenal what she did to Meatball Molly. To expect um, her to we both expected her to dominate that fight and we were both absolutely. blown away by what actually happened with the expectation that she was going to dominate. That's like that never happens. Yeah, that that tells you everything that you need to know, man. I mean, that that performance was just crazy. I mean, I want to give her her flowers for yeah, absolutely. that. Absolutely. But I think that um, Volkanovski over Max Holloway just kind of tips the scales a little bit more because of the championship aspect of it. The fact that um, 
it's it's legacy against legacy basically they're like they're kind of fighting for who's the best featherweight of all time uh and then for Volkanovski to go out there and completely knock it out the park 5-0 shutout of one of the greatest featherweights of all time um was just incredible um so I feel like Volkanovski's just now starting to get appreciated the way he should but you know I've been on board with Volkanovski for a minute um I think that he is I think he is a phenomenal fighter and uh, very deserving of this uh, award for performance of the year. So I, I had a one, go ahead. Sorry to touch up, but one more performance I want to throw yeah. out there: uh, Bilal Muhammad over Sean Brady, absolutely incredible. I didn't expect him to go out there and look like that uh, in a fight there where he was the underdog and he and he really just shined through. So that was another one. So I had a, a short list that included Aaron Blanchfield, that like you said, that included Francis, like you said, um, Islam over Charles. Uh, obviously Leon over Usman. Um, and the other one that you didn't mention that I had on my list that I just felt like needed to be Calvin Cater over Giga Chikadze, I thought was uh, just sensational, yeah. especially coming off of what he had just been through against Max Holloway, which I, th- I believe was my 2021 performance of the year, Max Holloway over Calvin Cater. Um, it was it, it was Volk over Max or Pedeta versus Israel Adesanya. And I guess just to not duplicate myself throughout this entire thing, um, since I gave Volk the champion of the year, I'm going to go performance of the year, Alex Pereira, his fourth UFC fight, number four. And he beats the middleweight champion that had not even been pushed, really. Like, Israel Adesanya at 185 had been completely bulletproof up to the point that he's fighting a guy that he has a past with but has only fought in the UFC four times at the end of that night. So... Alex Pereira, come from behind finish in the fifth over Israel Adesanya. I'll go my performance of the year. I mean, even though that's his fourth um, UFC fight, I don't even think that that puts it completely into perspective. The fact that this was his seventh professional MMA, MMA fight. Yeah. <laughs> like, seven, like, he's only had seven. Like, Israel Adesanya at this point is 20 and two. Israel Adesanya has like seven title defenses in the last like two years. Seven right? title defenses. <laughs> Absolutely. So many, so many five-round title fight uh, experience, you know, and he's made it look easy with everyone. I think we all knew that the fact that Pajeda was a tall kickboxer with power, that it was going to present Izzy some problems. But the, but Izzy was fighting a very, very good fight, yeah. mixed into wrestling. But just like with with Leon, uh, Pajeda's quarter told him like, "Man, you gotta, you know, we gotta, we gotta finish this fight." And he went out there and and landed the big shot. He had been looking for it the entire fight and uh, finally caught it in the fifth round and, and put Izzy away. I mean, but the fact that that's his seventh professional fight, yeah, the same. only person who won a title in shorter amount of time was Brock Lesnar, who won it in his third professional fight, which is just crazy. But Pajeda, to, in this day and age, to only have seven professional fights and now you're UFC champion, that is just unheard of. So, I mean, I, I'm I'm definitely backing you on that uh, on your pick. I mean, it could have been Volk, it could have been Alex Pajeda, yeah. both outstanding performances, but uh, Alex Pajeda deserves a lot of love for what he accomplished this year. All right, what was your upset of the year? Um, this was a year where it, there could have been a lot of different options. I mean, um, you had Izzy and Pajeda, like we just talked about. Um, you had you know. Even though these 
fighters didn't lose. The fact that Amanda Nunes was pushed to the limit. She actually lost last year. Valentina Shevchenko. A lot of people thought she lost to Talia Santos. Um, Charles Oliveira losing to losing his title after having such a dominant, you know, uh, such dominant year. People thought that Peter Yan was going to be a dominant champion, but he ends up losing twice this year. I mean, it was such a crazy year. Oh, oh and in the PFL, you had uh, Larissa Pacheco beat Kayla Harrison, which I don't think anybody thought was going to happen. Um, but I think upset of the year, just with how how it happened, I think it goes to uh, Leon Edwards, man. I think that he was already such a big underdog going into the fight. I think we, I think everyone knew that um, Leon had a chance, but I think that um, once the fight started and then like Kamara was banking rounds, I think that just everything that went into that knockout, um, the like I don't think anybody thought that Leon was going to win at the point that he actually won. So upset of the year is going to Leon Edwards for me. By the way, if we if we grouped all the promotions together, I was going to bring this up as well. Kayla Harrison losing to me is the biggest shocker of I mean that that would be upset of the year. Um, sticking in the UFC, like I thought Leon Edwards had a chance, but I didn't think it was a great chance, right? Like it it, it was going to have to be a stand up fight if he was going to have a chance. He was going to have to not allow Usman to, to get on top of him and and grapple and hold on to him and everything. And and I just didn't think there was a great possibility that that was not going to happen. I like. I picked Alex Pereira to beat Israel Adesanya. Like, I, I thought he was going to win that fight because I just thought there'd be big exchanges and he had more power. Um, so, like, both of those are monumental upsets, I think, in just the history of the UFC. But, like, I thought there was a good chance that one of them might happen, whereas I didn't think there was a great chance the other one would happen. And even within the two fights, like, going into the fifth round, Izzy was clearly winning the fight, but you know that, that Alex Pereira has a chance to finish it. Nobody thought that Leon Edwards was going to be able to have even an opportunity to get a finish, I think, going into the fifth. So way different circumstances to me, I think, in terms of the two UFC fights that I would I would probably put at the very top. And uh, it's it's got to be Leon Edwards. I mean, biggest upset. Just to just to um, reiterate that to really to reiterate that uh, Izzy and Alex, like for as long as they were standing, it was terrifying <laughs> for, for yeah. me to like sit there and watch because like Alex Pajeda is pursuing him the entire time and you just know like if he throws something like that could be lights out right from round one round two round three round four round five even though Izzy is winning these rounds the way that Alex was still pursuing him like that the danger I mean, was that, constantly it was just, there oh it was yeah. just massive amounts of danger absolutely and then but like like I said earlier with Leon he just looks out of it. He looks dejected. He looks like he already like he already accepted that. Damn, I, I blew it. I, I I blew it. That's how he was looking. And then just to pull that, just to, to pull that out, man, pull that off. It's it's just crazy. What a story. I mean, a, a a complete Rocky type story for him to go out there and 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 beat the guy that no one thought could be beat. I mean, just just an incredible story, man. I mean, like I said, I'm so happy for Leon, but still gutted for Kamara at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, upset of the year. For sure, it's Leon Edwards. All right, rivalry of the year. <sighs> rivalry of the year. You know, I may go in a different direction than uh, than than a lot of people. Like my first, my first choice is uh, what I want to pick is Kobe Covington and Jorge Masvidal. It's a low hanging fruit, right? Yeah. I feel like that's too easy. I kind of feel like the the rivalry of the year to me is like the UFC versus like 
the fighters. Like, not all of them, but, like, some high-level names. Like, the UFC versus Francis Ngannou, the UFC versus Nate Diaz. I kind of want to say the UFC versus Nate Diaz is the biggest uh, rivalry of the year to me because, like, that was, like, from January until Nate Diaz fought Tony Ferguson. Like, that was just a a rivalry that seemed like it never was going to end, and it didn't seem like it was going to end well for Nate Diaz. But the way that it ended up just flipping (laughs) all in the course of that fight week, I mean, you can't write – like Vince McMahon and Triple H and the WWE, you can't write a story like that. I mean, we knew that where this was going. As soon as they announced that Hamza was going to fight Nate Diaz, we knew that they were just going to give all of Nate Diaz's star power to Hamza and that Hamza was going to beat the life out of Nate Diaz. <laughs> but the fact that on fight week or on the on weigh-in day, the day before the fight, Hamza's nine pounds over, they have to completely reshuffle the deck and... Nate Diaz is out here looking more and more like a champion. He, I remember uh, at the ceremonial weigh-ins, he goes, <laughs> Joe Rogan just asked him, like, what do you think about all of this? And then Nate's like, well, this punk ass, um, what's his name? Who is he about to fight? Um, not Hamza, but he was like, oh, he said, Khabib's punk ass didn't want to fight me just like this punk ass motherfucker. Hamza Shemaya didn't want to fight me. And I'm just like, yeah, Nate Diaz is just going to win like this whole this whole weekend. Then he uh, beats Tony Ferguson. So, I mean, it just couldn't end in any better way. Now Nate Diaz is one of the biggest stars. Is still one of the biggest stars. Uh, and now he's off doing his own thing. I mean, that normally never happens. So, my rivalry of the year is the UFC versus Nate Diaz. I love it. You could probably throw in, like you said, UFC versus fighters and maybe throw the whole Nganu situation into that, right? And And you could probably include John Jones Absolutely. in that conversation as well. You could. I mean, I kind of feel like John Jones is like in a rivalry with the UFC, but also like on the UFC side at the same time. It's it's so weird with John Jones. But the whole Francis thing, I mean, that happened so fast and like we're kind of removed so mm-hmm. so long removed from it. But like the fact that Francis was able to win, like I had I did not think that Francis was going to be able to focus on this fight like he had so much going against him, like the contract situation, Tyson Fury's trying to fight him. Like, you know, he's trying to, uh, you know, negotiate with the UFC. Uh, he's, he's betting on himself. Like I had no idea. I, I didn't think, and then factor in the injury that he had. I mean, I, I picked Cyril Ghana in that fight. I did not think Francis's head was going to be in it, but he showed so much heart, toughness, skill, you know, to be able to wrestle, uh, fight IQ, knowing that he uh, was was losing in the striking realm, just to you know take that fight to the ground, show that he had gotten better, and like he does so much. He's so deserving of the heavyweight title, and he's so deserving to be marketed as the scariest, baddest heavyweight in the world. Um, the fact that he was was able to come out on top. We haven't seen him since he went. He ended up having knee surgery, but Francis is so deserving of everything that he's asking for, and the fact that he went to battle with the UFC and came out on top. I mean, that's just an incredible story. Hundred percent, and I, I wish I'd thought of that because that's a that's a really good rivalry. Um, I have a three way tie. Maybe you can be the tiebreaker for me for for my uh, rivalry of the year. I'll, I'll let you cast a vote, and maybe that can help me get some clarity here. All right, so rivalry number one, obviously, Alex Pineda and Israel Adesanya. Right? I mean, they have the history, the kickboxing, uh, and then the new guy comes in and, and takes the belt. That's option number one. Option number two. Patty Pimblett and Ariel Hawani. Oh, wow. 
which uh, that whole fight week was just crazy with the, the the stories and everything that unfolded from that debacle. And then option number three, Conor McGregor and reality. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, look, we, we can't do an MMA podcast without mentioning Conor at least once, right? So Conor versus reality, that might be the best rivalry going. Well, the Patty Ariel stuff just was completely out of left field. I mean, just yeah. everything that happened that fight week and all the fans coming to his aid. I mean, it it was kind of crazy. I mean, you heard like a chorus of boos in the in the crowd, but like, I, I mean, of course it was it was Pattyville in the in the in the crowd, but like near my section as he was coming out, people were booing him, and of course, like they were trying to chant Ariel, Ariel. Yeah. So um, it, that was that was crazy, but. Yeah, that whole Patty Ariel rivalry, it's funny as hell. I mean, he's trying to, and then Ariel like to basically air out everything on his show and basically just trash Patty. Just like, man, like, bro, I have the receipts, but like, yeah, how you can't, it started. You can't tell lies Pat- and expect that he's not gonna cash the receipts, right? Yeah, I mean, if you have the receipts, like the the argument's over. Yeah. I mean, the guy won. Yeah. The guy with the receipts won. Uh, Patty and his manager over asking for money, and and he's like, like. They came to me. I didn't go to them. They came to me. I, I think that was a very telling part of the story as well. And then Patty, for Patty to go on Dana or to go on his podcast with Dana, who obviously doesn't like Ariel Hawani after the whole UFC one one ninety nine thing, Dana's obviously just going to trash Ariel any chance he gets. So you know that that podcast came out. I'm glad Ariel had had his own platform to just back himself up and to basically like. Uh, you know, call out Patty on the lies and everything. I think that after that, I don't think we heard much from Patty after that. But I mean, that was a crazy rivalry in itself. What was the first one you said? Um, uh, oh, Pineda, Izzy. Izzy and Alex. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, is that even a rivalry at this point? Because Alex has beaten him three <laughs> times. <laughs> I mean, is that even a rivalry at this point? I, I'm, I'm starting to question if Izzy can actually beat this guy because. Fair enough. Fair I enough. mean, the guy just. The guy came to the UFC where Izzy is a superstar. He's running the whole UFC middleweight division, and Alex just comes and takes that all the way. It's it's crazy. What a story. Debo style. Conor right? McGregor. Like yeah, absolutely. My bike punk. But Conor McGregor <laughs> versus reality. <laughs> that might be the best. That might be the best rivalry in UFC history. I mean that that is that is amazing. I love that. I think my I think my vote's gonna go Conor right. McGregor versus reality. There you go. You. That's my pick. Connor versus reality, because dude is living in a state of delusion most of the time I hear him speak or post anything on social media. All right, female division of the year, Will Brewer. I might, I might have a surprise for you on this one. Well, mm. I think that I'm going to stick with, uh, you know, of course, you, I think your picks are to go with the women's featherweight division for sure. Because, you know, so much was happening in that division this year. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, do you have a featherweight division? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't even think there was no title defenses last year. I mean, I think that division should just close down. 135 was, was, was solid. It only had one title defense though. Um, I think 115, um, Man, 
you know wow there's some del- I, I i thought this was gonna be a slam dunk you know look i was about to i was about to say straw weight yeah because that's the obvious really pick. was it's the obvious pick i was just about to say straw weight but then i got to thinking about flyweight and look I think the emergence of all of the young talent in flyweight, Aaron Blanchfield, Casey O'Neill, Macy Barber, um, Alexa Grasso, Manon Fio, uh, Tracy Cortez, Tracy, Tracy Cortez, Amanda Hebas. Even though Valentina Shevchenko is a dominant champion, she was tested in a way that we had never seen her tested against Taya Santos this year. I think that the gap is starting to close. Now I don't know if that performance from Talia Santos was like just one of those, you know, great, great night for Talia, bad day for, for Valentina type things. But as it, as it stands right now, the flyweight division is starting to, is starting to catch up. It's starting to build up and we're starting to get some other contenders. Like we're starting to be phased out with the old, like the Jennifer Mayas and, you know, Lauren Murphy's still pretty prevalent in the division, but like, you know, the, those, those fighters who are at the top of the division are starting to go, you know, more towards the bottom, and we're starting to get some young, fresh blood like you know, Furo and Santos at the top. So, yeah, I think that your your picks probably gonna, was was going to be flyweight. I was going to pick strawweight until I thought of Rose and Carla. That was the thing that <laughs> that made me think about flyweight because when Rose and Carla happened, ah, uh, what a terrible, terrible fight that was. So yeah, just because of that, I'll pick flyweight. Very nice. Look, the easy pick here is is strawweight, right? I mean, we had three champions in 2022, Rose, Carla, and Zhang Wei Li. You look at the list of contenders, Limosh, Andrade, Marina Rodriguez, uh, further down, I mean, Yan Xiaonan, Mackenzie Dern. Like, it's a very fun division that I think is probably the deepest of all of the women's divisions. But the reason I'm going to go flyweight, and I said it was going to be a surprise, Valentina, a little bit like Izzy in the middleweight division, right, in, in the men's, has been so dominant over everybody in this division. And for the first time, maybe she doesn't look like she's completely bulletproof. That, accompanied with what you said, the youth ejection of Alexa Grasso and Aaron Blanchfield and Casey O'Neill and Macy Barber and Tracy Cortez and um, Amanda Hebos stepping up in that division. Like, there's so many young, talented fighters in that division that are emerging and looking terrific. So the combination of Valentina maybe looking like she's vulnerable... And the the emerging young stars in that division to me um, gives me a lot of excitement about the direction flyweight is going. So strawweight is the easy pick here, but I'm going to go flyweight as my female division of the year. All right, men's division of the year. So um, it came down to death taxes and bantamweights, and then uh, lightweight, of course. Um, this is uh, where I kind of settled on. I think the the title fights, I think it's lightweight all the way. But I think those those non-title fights, a lot of them in the bantamweight division, like how how great those fights are, um, they're also great. Like Cheeto and Dom Dom Cruz was good. I mean, the, like like we always say, there's always a fight on a card, bantamweight fight, and it's always outstanding. Every card has Sean a great O'Malley. bantamweight fight. Every single card. That's why I say Every death taxes one, and bantamweights. Yeah. It, Every single one, it, it's just crazy. But then think about the the lightweight title fights and how good that they are. Charles Oliveira is always in a war when he like the Gaethje fight was one round, 
but like I, I forget if round of the year is on our list, but that <laughs> I think that's not, that but we could, we could, we could give, we could throw that out there. I mean, for, I, I mean, if that's out there, I mean, Shrogan and Tide to Avasa had some great rounds. Poirier Chandler, I think the first, first round, round was awesome. Poirier Chandler. Yeah. But Gaethje Poirier, I mean, Gaethje and uh, Oliveira, that one round was amazing. Well, the three that best was, rounds in the sport might've all happened at 155. First round of Poirier Chandler. First round of Oliveira Gaethje, and first round of Dober Terrence McKinney. Oh God, I forgot about that one. Yeah, uh, oh poor Terrence. I mean, <laughs> he took that final short yeah. notice, and he was he was so close to winning that, and then he was he was just gassed from that point on. I mean, props to Drew Dober. Uh, I mean, and 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 then you know, you, I'm sure you just watched Drew Dober get that big win over yeah. Bobby Green. That was an incredible knockout. But man, um. I guess, man, just because of the of the uh, amount of bantamweight fights that there are, and they're always so good, uh, I'm gonna go bantamweight. Bantamweight is just like having championship fights away from being probably the best yeah. division in the sport. Like lightweight has the stars, it has the title fights, but bantamweight's always been consistent. So I'm I'm just gonna go with uh for, with a uh, bantamweight. I like it. I'm glad you went bantamweight because I'm gonna go lightweight. But this is like kind of like the fight card thing where it's a one A one B to me. Like I, I say it every week, death taxes and bantamweights because every single fight card has great bantamweight fights. Like it, it's every single week. It's a great division that is probably on a weekly basis, the most entertaining division in the sport. But when you start talking about title fights and you start talking about main events and names on the marquee, 155 with Islam and Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje and Benil Dariush and Michael Chandler and Rafael Fazeev and Matosh Gamrot and RDA and Armand Sarukian and Jalen Turner and Dan Hooker and Demir Ismagulov and Renato Moicano and Drew Dober, like the depth of of like fight of the night, fight of the year caliber fighters throughout the entire 155 division, for me gives it a slight edge. Like I said, on a weekly basis, I think 135 just consistently gives the most entertaining fights. But in terms of names on the marquee delivering like fight of the night type of fights, um, I think lightweight continually takes that uh for like the I, I feel like it's been five or six years in a row now for me at least uh so i'm gonna go lightweight once again but that gap i feel like the last two years has really closed between 155 and 135 i mean uh, i think it's just it's just your preference i yeah. mean it's yeah it could exactly. go either way but like the star power of lightweight i mean it, that is a big deal and that does matter um but Man, those bantamweight fights have just been so good, man. It's like I said, it's just a preference thing, but it's it's def it's definitely one A one B between those two. Yeah. All right, you ready to do some rankings? Let's do it, man. Twenty twenty two end of the year women's rankings is where we will start. All right. Twenty twenty two women's rankings. Number ten for me. I'm going uh, Aaron Blanchfield. Number nine, I'm going to go Amanda Lemos. Number eight, I'm going to go Talia Santos. Number seven, I'm going to go Carla Esparza. Number six, I'm going to go Jessica Andrade. Number five, I'm going to go Juliana Pena. Number four, I'm going to go Rose Namajunas. Number three, I'm going to go Zhang Wei Li. Number two, Valentina Shevchenko. And number one, the GOAT, Amanda Nunes. 
we have the exact same top 10, by the way, and almost the same order. Like, I was like, are you, are you looking at my oh, list? Got... <laughs> are you looking at my list? Okay, so I went from, from 10 to 1, 10, Aaron Blanchfield, 9, Amanda Limosh, 8, Jessica Andrade, 7, Carlos Barza, 6, Talia Santos, 5, Juliana Pena, 4, Rose Namajunas, 3, Zhang Wei Li, 2, Valentina Shevchenko, and 1, Amanda Nunes. Yeah, I mean, that is crazy. <laughs> I mean, you could, like, some honorable mentions, like, you could throw in um, Marina Rodriguez. Marina was my, literally, like, sidebar, right like, I was debating between Aaron Blanchfield and Marina's the, the final spot. Uh, like, uh, Manon Furo's in there, uh, Holly Holm, but I think that list, though, I think the, the years that those 10 women had definitely puts them uh, on that list, so, Yeah. All right, I, I, we may we may be uh, on different sides of of the men, so I'm I, I'm curious to hear top ten rankings for the men in the UFC for 2022. We probably will be, um, <laughs> we probably will be. All right, so <clears throat> number ten, Dustin Poirier. Number nine. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I messed up. I messed up. Oh, shit, I messed up. Okay, I got to start over. Okay, all right. <laughs> Number 10, Aljamain Sterling. Number 9, Charles Oliveira. Number 8, Alex Pajeda. Number 7, Israel Adesanya. Number six, Francis Ngannou. Number five, John Jones. Oh! <laughs> Get out of here. He's still in the pound-for-pound pound rankings, by the way. He should be. No! He's, uh, literally. <laughs> uh, then let's put Khabib back in him. Let's let's put GSP in there. Khabib could be retired gf he retired john jones is, is still a part of the ufc <laughs> so the reason why i said i messed up was <laughs> i had you would have you really would have been mad because john jones was going to be like my ghost number one but i was like i'll just put him in nice, the rankings nice. so i had to leave one out so I, I, Poirier I, I had, to, had, to, had to go out i can dig it but anyway um number five john jones number four islam number three Kamaru Usman, number two, Leon Edwards, and number one, Alexander Volkanovsky. Very nice. All right, uh, for me, top ten, we're going to go ten, Aljamain Sterling, nine, Charles Oliveira, eight, Yuri Prohaska, seven, Israel Adesanya, six, Kamaru Usman, five, Francis Ngannou, four, Alex Pedeta, three, Leon Edwards, Two, Islam Mahashev, and one, Alexander Volkanovsky. And coming up in February, number one versus number two from Perth, Australia. It's going to be glorious. What a fight that's going to be. Uh, I mean, I kind of have an opinion on how that's going to go already, but, I mean, this is, in a lot of circles, number one versus number two. 45 champ versus the 55 champ. Volkanovsky's fought at, at lightweight before, and he's undefeated. 
you know, it's Islam has looked, I mean, just amazing at lightweight um, since he got knocked out. But this fight, I mean, skill for skill. I mean, we'll, we'll see where, where uh, you know, how strong Volkanovski is going to look at 155. We'll see how Islam deals with someone who's fast and who's smaller. I mean, shorter, I should say. I mean, that fight's going to be awesome. Yeah. But I think in terms of the top 10, I mean, you could go a lot of different ways. Like, you could put Poirier in there. You know, I, Poirier Prohasta. and Glover Teixeira were, like, the two that I had just right on the outside that I wanted to put in there because I really like both of them, but I, I just couldn't make a case for either one of them over the 10 I had. Yeah. You know, that's how it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, someone's got to get left off. I mean, I, that's probably why the UFC does top 15. They should probably do top 10. It probably would uh, make a lot more sense. And then, you you know, the guys like uh, John Jones wouldn't, you know, make the list. You know, I, I, you know, I don't really think John Jones is, you know, top 10. Yeah. You know, he didn't do anything in 2022. He hasn't done anything since 2020. But I just thought that was funny. No, it was, but, good. Um, it was good. It was good. Uh, but yeah, man, you know, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky deserves to be the, the number one pound for pound fighter. Um, I kind of, I liked how you put Pajeda ahead of Izzy. I thought about it, but then, you know, if if yeah. if Pajeda beats him a second time, I will I will do that. But for now, I'm like ah, uh, you know, Izzy was beating him, you know, and I almost put Kamaru ahead of Leon, but I you know I I couldn't do it. I, I had to respect Leon a little bit more. I mean, uh, I mean, Glover for, was was twenty seconds away from beating Yuri, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that with uh, Kamaru and Leon, the reason why I didn't put you know Kamaru ahead, I think Leon's resume, um. It's still it's still really really good outside of Kamaru, yeah. you know Nate Diaz and RDA Cowboy Cerrone. So like we can have arguments all day, but um, yeah, I, I like your list. I like my list. I think it's uh, you know the only thing I might change. Like I might would redo Pajeda and Izzy. Um, yeah, I might would want to switch them, but I still I like it. it it's cool. Like if, if Pineda had been like a journeyman, right. That just like has this one knockout that gets him to be the champion randomly. Like then maybe I would do it the other way, but the guy's undefeated in MMA, right? Seven fights four in the UFC, seven and zero overall four and zero in the UFC beat the champion. Like has beat him outside of MMA as well. Like there's literally not a blemish. Like he's, he's, he's unproven, but he's gone over every obstacle that's been in his path. Yeah. I, you know, I, I kind of don't know how Izzy beats him. I agree. I just don't think that he can stay away from that power for five rounds. Because, like, unless Izzy can knock him out, can find a way to knock him out or just take him down and submit him and get the fight over with early. I mean, we saw five in the fifth round, Alex was able to catch him and knock him out. It's I don't know, man. I'm very curious to see that rematch. And uh, time is just going to make him a more well-rounded fighter, right? Like Exactly. Pineda's only going to get better. That's the thing that That's I think so is the scariest part of it all. So that's so scary. I mean, the guy is, the guy looks massive on fight day. I yeah. mean, he looks so much bigger than Izzy. He, they say that they're the same height, but Alex Pajeda is at least an inch or like an inch and a half taller. Uh, he's got kicks. He's 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 very skilled. Like Izzy is like as skilled as they come, but Pajeda is so skilled on the feet with this stand up, with his kicks, with his punches. He's got the power to go along with it. Scary power. Yeah. And then he's still so green in the sport. He's only going to get better. So that's just so scary. Like if you're if I'm the rest of the middleweight division, I'm trying to get him now before this guy actually gets good at MMA. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. once that happens, we're probably looking at the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And we're probably looking at a two division champion. There's a very good chance. I mean, we've talked about this, I think, before the, the 280, uh, 281 card. Um, 
that picture of him standing next to Dominic Reyes. Like it's it's one of the most <laughs> shocking photos I've ever seen. Like that's a 185er that is making a 205er look like a you know three divisions lower. Like it's crazy. Dominic yeah, Reyes he looks so much bigger than Dom. And Dominic <laughs> Reyes is a like big dude even at 205. Yeah, Reyes and John like John Jones is six four. Reyes is six four. But Alex Mahade in that picture looked at least six six and a half. He's towering, and, and <laughs> like two thirds. He's not only like way taller, but like just the 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 size. He's so yes. much bigger. Like his arms so, and his chest, yeah. and like it's just like good lord, man. The reach, his arms look so <laughs> yes. long. It's just, it's it's all just a bad recipe for the rest of this middleweight division. Like cyborg. I felt awful for Robert Whitaker because like if 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 you thought that Izzy was a tough test. I feel like Alex Pajeda is just going to make him look tiny, for one. And then, like, if Robert isn't able to get him down, oh, my gosh, yeah. I, I don't like Rob's chances. <laughs> the one thing I think we can clearly see, though, at least at this point, and again, he's only going to get better, Israel Adesanya's takedown defense is phenomenal, right? Like, Oh, yeah. I, I think if you can get to Alex Pajeda, you have a chance, because based on what we've seen, his takedown defense isn't nearly in the same ballpark as Izzy's. But... Similar to Izzy, g even getting there to have that opportunity, you're going to have to go through a buzzsaw that, that might put you to sleep. So, you know, getting close enough to even have that chance is a whole different thing. That's why when people are like, just give him a grappler and Pineda's going to lose the belt. Well, that's, maybe. No, it's, it's, uh, can a grappler get it, to him? Like, that's that length yeah. similar to Izzy is insane. Yeah. I think, like, people don't, like, factor that in. Like, People are going to try to fight uh, Alex Pajeda like they fought Izzy. Like, they're going to be very cautious to to pursue him. And they're going to be even more cautious because if you think they're going to be cautious to Izzy, of course they're going to be proceeding with a lot of caution with Alex Pajeda with that left hand. One shot but not down, only yeah. his left hand, like, he's got deadly kicks as well. So, like, uh, like Robert Whitaker is going to have to go through I – don't, I don't know if he can actually get to him. Yeah. Marvin Vittori – Paulo Costa, all these guys. I mean, you're gonna have to get in close, and it's it's so dangerous. It would have to be, Izzy, I think, somebody that has the explosiveness of like a Hamzat, where I'd be like, okay, this is interesting. Yeah, and, and Hamzat's gonna have to rush him and That's like right. he did Kevin. Hart, That's right. Get him, wrap him up immediately, and hope he doesn't take uh, the wrong shot going in. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. I, I would love to see that fight, man. I would love to see. I love. I'm. I'm very curious on what's going to happen next with Hamzat because, like, we've got so many. He says that four people turned him down. Um, I wonder if it's like at welterweight, at middleweight. I know one of those names on that list is Kobe Covington because I know he does not want to fight Hamzat Shemaev. But I, I wonder who who else is on that list. Um, I I wonder if his next fight's going to be at welterweight. I know that they want to give him the welterweight title fight. They want to give him. I think it's pretty obvious that he'd probably win the welterweight title. I think he's yeah. too big for, for those guys. At welterweight. If he can make weight. But I, yeah, if he can make weight. But I think it's very interesting once he gets into middleweight, once he fights some of these grapplers. I would love to see him and Robert Whitaker, him and Marvin Vittori, him and Paulo Costa. Um, all those fights make a lot of sense. I think he just needs one win. One, I think he's one win away in either of those divisions to, uh, to a title shot. So I think he would be a big favorite over Costa and Vittori. He does. He even said, and I, I told you uh, after the after his last fight, Robert Whitaker's the fight to make. And literally in that that post fight press conference, he was like, "Yeah, I don't want to fight Robert Whitaker. I respect him too much." I was like, "I, no, I bet he, you he don't. What, I bet you don't." Yeah, yeah, he knows what that is, man. Like out of everyone, 
Robert Whitaker would give him the best fight out of everybody in the entire UFC. Yeah. That goes for Israel Adesanya, Alex Pajeda, Kamaru Usman, Kobe Covington. Yep. Robert Whitaker is literally the best of all. Matchups make Marvel. fights, and that's the best matchup. Yeah. Yep. The best matchup. So I would love to see Robert Whitaker, but Hamza knows. Like, Robert Whitaker would push him. You know, he would hit him in ways he hasn't been hit before. I mean, it would just be a bad recipe. Like, people think that Kobe Covington is the worst matchup for Hamzat. I don't think so. I think that Hamzat would roll over Kobe Covington like he's done the rest of these guys. I think Robert Whitaker's the fight, but we'll see what happens. I think Hamzat's a minus 400 favorite against Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, yeah. I, and I think he's, I think Kobe's really good, but Hamzat does everything he does better, like a lot better. Yeah. Now, the only thing would be, like, the cardio, yeah. but, like, I really don't think that fight would last that long to where that would even be a factor. So, right. yeah. Um, but Robert Whitaker, that, that's definitely the fight. But Hamza is smart enough to know, yeah, I respect this guy so much. Bullshit. You know what we all know. Robert Whitaker's the worst matchup for you. So are we getting John Jones and Francis in 2023? If we don't get it in 23, we're never going to get it. I think um, – I think we're as close as we've ever been. Like, I know there was talks all last year of them fighting, but I think we're as close as we're ever going to get to, A, John Jones fighting a heavyweight at all, and then, B, John Jones fighting Francis Ngannou. I think we're as close as we're ever going to get. They're talking March right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if it gets put off till the summer. But if it doesn't happen by summer 2022 uh, or 2023, I don't think it's going to happen. So I think we're as close as we're going to get right now. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm not going to believe it until just like um, with uh, who was the one that we said, like, we got to wait until they actually get into the. Oh, Leon. Leon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to believe it's going to happen until John Jones and Francis and Gano are both in the octagon yeah. and the cage door is shut. So I think we're very close, but we'll see. Um, I know we, we, we did this about a month or, or so ago um, where we talked about Connor's next opponents. You want to give that another crack for 2023? Uh, okay, so in order, I got three people who I think it could four people I think it could be. Um, my number four is uh, Justin Gaethje. Number three, no, number four is Jorge Masvidal. Number three is Justin Gaethje. Um, I'm blanking on who I thought number two is. Oh shit, Chandler. No, Chandler's number one. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. I actually think that Poirier, the fourth Poirier fight is an option. So Poirier was, is number four. Masvidal is three. Um, Gaethje is two. And number one is uh, Michael Chandler. I think that's the fight to make right there. Chandler and uh, Conor McGregor. Okay. Um, I've got one that I think is going to be a little bit interesting, but we'll see what you think on that. Obviously, there's uh, the Nate stuff is out there again. And maybe that might be the fight that brings Nate back to the UFC. Um, Poirier obviously would be out there. Gaethje would probably be my top pick. Um, Chandler seems like the most, the one that makes the most sense that is the most winnable simultaneously. <laughs> um, I think the RDA fight would be tremendous, but I think that's a bad ask for Connor's comeback fight. Um, I love the Masvidal fight. Like, Connor Masvidal might be one of the biggest draws in the history of the sport, right? Like, it, it, that one just makes a ton of sense. Neither guy is in title contention. Uh, both guys, I mean, that, that would be a blockbuster of a, of a fight. Um, and then how about this one? This is a little bit outside the box. And I think because of Connor's size, this might, this could be problematic. 
But what about potentially Max at 155? Yeah, you know, I think that's a I think that's a very viable option right there. I think um if Connor can make 155, but yeah. I don't think I don't think that Connor is going to come back to fight at 155, but I would not be surprised if Max is just like fuck it. I'll go up to 170. He's that type of fighter where you know, it doesn't matter. He'll go up and he'll fight at 170, but um I think out of all the options, um it, they want it they're not going to give him a fight where they actually think that Connor is going to lose. Like I think that they pro- like the UFC brass thinks that Connor will most likely beat Michael Chandler. Agreed. And I also think the UFC brass will think Connor will most likely beat Max Holloway. So now that I think about it, those two fights are very, are probably the top two options. Like I really don't think that the UFC is going to give Connor McGregor Justin Gaethje. The leg kicks, I mean, yeah. He would he would eat Connor's legs up. Connor just came back from a from a, yep. a freak leg injury. Agreed. RDA is just going to take him down. He's not going to give Connor a chance to win. Masvidal, I want to see that fight happen. Like I you said, too. it's the biggest draw, you know, fight that the UFC could probably you know do at this point. Outside but of John Jones, Francis Ngannou, that that might be the biggest fight that they could possibly make in this in the entire sport. One thousand percent. One thousand. But I think that those two guys are such big stars that, like, the negotiation process, it's not going to even be worth it for the UFC. Like, the UFC is going to try to make that fight happen, but, like, those two guys are so used to, like, getting their way that, like, the negotiations are going to – are just like, they're just going to be like, okay, this fight's not going to happen. It's not worth it. You know, the back and forth, we're not going to be able to come to terms. Um, but, yeah, Max and uh, Michael Chandler, I, I think it makes too much sense. I think those are just – Easy, easy fights for Conor McGregor to come back to. Not easy as in Conor's gonna get an easy win, but like but easy more as more winnable than all those other athlete. options. Yeah, absolutely, one thousand percent. Who do you like in a Conor Masvidal fight? <sighs> Man, obviously at one seventy. Like I feel like it would be similar to to Poirier. Um, I think that I think that Masvidal is really good. I think he's really skilled. I think we don't get to see how good Masvidal is because like he's been fighting the Kamaru Usmans of the world and um, uh, Kobe Covington. So like those guys wrestle him. If Masvidal comes in in shape and comes in uh, ready to fight, I mean that guy's as good as anyone standing, and that's going to be a stand-up fight. Uh, Connor's always got a chance to win because of that left, but um, I think you know Masvidal's. Um, punching power is is pretty substantial but so is uh so is connor's so i mean i don't know at 170 um like you know because like masvidal is taking some big shots from you know some solid guys at 170 i know connor's put on all this size so like we'll see but um i think i would go connor i like i think i'd go connor i kind of like masvidal a little bit more i mean maybe maybe because you know like maybe before man it just depends on it's how, tough. like, how, how is does he still have the same mobility, right, with the leg situation, or is is he compromised with, you know, because he the dude had incredible quickness, um, you know, those kicks would come out of nowhere, just like lightning. Like if that changes, then that would change my pick. But if he's at least close to that, I think my pick would be Connor. Well, yeah, okay. So let me say this: if Connor, if Connor is is that elusive. You know, karate style, you know, long fight. He fights long, not the boxing stance style that we've seen recently. If he fights in the boxing stance, I think Masvidal cleans his clock. But I think if he fights how he used to fight, like pre-Mayweather, then, yeah, I would pick McGregor. But, I mean, it all depends on what Conor we see. Yeah. 
I'm here for it, man. That would be... I, I can't imagine the build-up to a Conor McGregor-Jorge Masvidal main event. It would be, it'd be tremendous. Bananas. Just yeah. insanity. Press conference would be exceptional. Now, that's, that's a fight card where you don't have to put, like, I mean, already a Conor McGregor fight card, you don't have to put much on it, but that's a fight card where you can literally just put that fight on there and a bunch of, yeah. Or, or 270. Like, maybe. you don't have to put, but, yeah, yeah, 270. You don't have to put much on there, and that, I mean, just Masvidal McGregor themselves is probably going to do close to 2 million buys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be crazy. It's going to break all the UFC rec- uh, records. Yeah, by, by, yeah, it would crush it. It would absolutely crush it. All right, my friend, uh, we will do this again in a couple weeks. We will uh, we will also do our uh, beginning of the year, uh, end of the year picks for who will be the champion at the end of 2023 and revisit our uh, our selections from last year. In addition to, uh, I believe it is January 14th, the first fight card of the, the new year. Yes, sir, my friend, let's do it. Can't wait for 2023. 2022 was a crazy, crazy year in the sport of MMA. And I hope 2023 is just uh, is just as crazy. I mean, I've had many a days and nights sitting <laughs> on my couch, sitting in a Hooters, sitting in a Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever the case is, just going crazy at these incredible fighters and these incredible fights. I mean, I can't say enough about what these men and women do. Yeah. It's just it's amazing what they put their bodies through. Um the training and you know everything that the, that these that these men and women do is just incredible. I'm amazed every time I see uh, this sport in action. So I can't wait for 2023. This is the uh, the final episode of 2022 for us, and uh, wrapping up the third year that we've been doing this podcast. Will Happy New Year, my friend, and a big 2023 is ahead. Yes, sir. Happy New Year to you and to everyone out there. Happy New Year. Okay. <laughs>